Hello and welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast I started where I can talk about DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Citizen Hal, and with me today is a very special guest. William, introduce yourself. You just did. <laughs> uh, I'm William. If you've seen other videos that have both of us in them, you know who I am. Uh, editor for Chevrolet's Productions. I have my own channel that I'm supposed to make stuff for, but haven't in like two years because burnout. Yeah, burnout. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not talking about burnout today. No, we're talking well, about... Well, actually, what? technically, <laughs> technically, we'll get there. I guess you... T- I mean, technically. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the first movie I wanted to talk about today, because, I mean, you saw it. Uh, well, the reason I wanted to talk... So we're talking about Elvis, first the off. The, the first... I wanted to talk about Elvis because you were the one who got me interested in Elvis. So obviously I knew about it before you told me about it i knew like oh baz lerman's directing an elvis movie but then that one day you were just like hey did you hear that elvis is really bad i'm like what (laughs) okay for a reference i was talking about the uh, initial reactions coming out of like cans which were very mixed it was like half of the people thought it was the greatest thing ever half of them thought it was complete trash which you know Usually is a good sign. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, we were just go- you were going through like all these different reactions, and that got me excited. I'm like, ah, oh, sweet. I love garbage. Um, so what? And then we both saw it. Then, well, I, yeah, I saw it a couple of weeks after you. So what? What were your like thoughts on it? Like, what, what were your initial thoughts when you first watched it? My initial, uh, long, the long, the be all and all is that like. It's a pretty standard biopic with some wacky moments here and there. Really, I feel like your mileage is going to vary based on whether or not you actually like Elvis as a person. Yeah, that's it, it, That's definitely the sense I got. I will say at first, like the first half of it, I was like, it was bonkers. I was like, oh, this is really funny. Like some of it was, some of it was genuinely entertaining, but some of it was like so wacky. And, like, I kind of adored it for that. But then I think you said, or somebody had said, like, towards the second half, it started to, like, lose mileage. And it, was, it just became a standard biopic. And I was like, by that point, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty much just a standard biopic at this point. Um, to be fair, by that point in the actual history, because, you know, it's a real person... Mm-hmm. There wasn't much wacky to have anyway. That is, like, the more sad part of it. Because, like, that's when uh, his life is kind of falling apart. He's slaving away at a hotel he doesn't even want to be at. His wife left him. He lost... She took the kids. He's getting fat. Yeah. He's going to die soon. Yeah. Which, they did not show him die on the toilet. But, I mean... I was so disappointed there were no bacon sandwiches. There were no peanut butter, fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches or whatever the... Whatever it was. Yeah, it was something like that. It was some weird concoction in a sandwich. Yeah, and I will say, to uh, to drum up some positives on this movie, first off, Austin Butler does an awesome job as Elvis. Probably one of my favorite performances of the year. Just... It was was amazing. It was was really cool seeing this, like... because you always hear about how like this how what, what kind of like a weird mysterious person Elvis is and I really feel like he kind of nailed that in this. 
Yeah, he basically like does a perfect job. Yeah, which is really funny because the rest of the acting is either serviceable or Tom Hanks. And <laughs> it, it, here's the thing. I will say, I guess I was trying to go into more positives, but I will. I, we're going to backtrack to the negatives. Uh, Tom Hanks. Let's just go to Tom Hanks immediately because I think that's the big sticking point for a lot of people here. Yeah, like what the big positive for this movie is obviously Austin Butler. The big negative, meanwhile, is Tom Hanks being... <laughs> Which surprised everyone because you have Tom Hanks, established actor everyone loves, and Austin Butler who... I'm sure he's done some stuff here and there. He's in Sharpay's Fabulous though, Adventure. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I think for most people, this is like their first introduction to him. He's like basically an unknown. Right. And he's the best part of the movie because he fucking nails the he's role. He's really and good. Then you have, and then you have Tom Hanks doing, what the hell is that accent? Yeah. Here's the thing. What the I, hell is that accent? I wasn't exactly... Uh, that put off by hanks i was like i was expecting like a really awful performance and it wasn't i mean it wasn't great i'd say compared to his other performances it's definitely one of his weakest but i was still like i was kind of entertained by how weird it was well, that's the thing. Like, I don't think it was a bad performance. It's just that I don't understand the performance. Yeah, it's such a weird performance. It's, I mean, apparently this was a weird guy, but at the same time... Eh, Snowman Strikes Again. Snowman Strikes Again. Exactly. I didn't even know who Tom Parker was before this. Yeah, no, I had no idea. Like, I... I, I that was a thing. Yeah. Before this movie, I was not even a huge Elvis fan. I, I can't say... I mean... I knew who Elvis was. I know that he died very young, and I know that he was, like, a huge star back in the day. But, and I definitely heard his music. I just can't say I was as uh, well-versed in his story and, like, in his rise to fame and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of this was new to me. And, yeah, I had never heard of Tom Parker. I never knew all this stuff that had happened. Um whether or not it's all true is, uh, I, I don't exactly know. Like, I wouldn't know how historically accurate this movie is. Yeah, because that is the thing to point out, that with biopics and stuff, you're still making a movie, so you do have to embellish certain things to get a free act structure out of it. Yeah, and that kind of bugs me about biopics, especially... And I think out of all the ones I've seen so far, when it comes to musical biopics... Uh, maybe it's only two at this point because it's this and Bohemian Rhapsody. This is obviously much better. Uh, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody yet, but I'm assuming there's like gonna be like a comparison to be made with Austin Butler and this and Rami Malek and that because like the only real big positive here about that one is Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury. Yeah, and Rami Malek was great in that movie, but he's no Austin Butler in as Elvis. <laughs> like he's good, but El Austin Butler as Elvis is even better, and. I mean, the only thing I really remember about Bohemian Rhapsody is every time they played a Queen song, I was like, hey, I like Queen songs. I wish I was listening to the music instead of watching this. The only thing I remember about Bohemian Rhapsody was editing the video for James like four years ago. <laughs> oh, that's right. He did do a video on it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And that's the other thing. Speaking of editing, that also won Best Editing when it didn't have great editing so can you imagine if this wins best editing 
that well that would mean a, a youtube pooper one best editing and you know what i'm all for that <laughs> yeah they should make a new category for funniest editing they should yeah because this editing was just i mean that adds to like the wacky nature of the movie like it's just it like i said like when the movie started i was like oh man i am in for one hell of a ride and i can't wait and it was so it, it it definitely made things a lot more confusing. I was just like, wait, where are we? What's happening? Uh, it was just, uh, I mean, it made the experience all the more entertaining. I can't really say whether or not it made the movie better, but it definitely made the experience more entertaining. It just makes the movie funnier in retrospect. You remember yeah. that all this was just being told on the deathbed of a drunk carny. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. I feel like the movie, so it's obviously from, it's obviously narrated by Colonel Tom Parker. But it's not from his perspective either. Yeah, well, I don't know if it is, because I feel like I understand that he's a manipulative asshole, but I don't know if the movie necessarily calls him out on that, you know? It just, it keeps, because it's him narrating, and he's, like, there's moments where he's just like, oh, these hippies were brainwashing him and and it's just like okay but you're brainwashing him am, yeah, am i like, am i as an audience member supposed to know that or like is does the movie not even realize that well at the very end of the movie there are like the text stills at the very end that basically like yeah so he was found guilty for being a fucking jackass and financially exploiting him right so like the movie says yeah no he's the, he's the villain right yeah i think maybe it's Maybe it's just because the movie wasn't, like, explicit on that. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe because, as an audience member, you kind of need to know this for yourself. Like, oh, he's being a jackass. Like, you don't need the movie to tell you that. It was just it was yeah. just communicated weirdly. Same thing as... I'm also, Go ahead. There is, uh, there's a shot, like, when he's, like, first... like It's not when he's first meeting Elvis, but, like, when he's, like, at a carnival with him at one point. And you probably notice there's, like, a quick thing where, like, you look... It, fades in behind him where it shows like a sign of the geek yeah which for those who don't know if you if you see nightmare alley you know what a geek is it was like an old carnival attraction where basically like get a dude and make him look like a caveman and just treat him horribly and act like he's like some missing link and basically just like exploit him for money and they're basically saying that elvis is tom parker's geek which, yeah, like, that's the sense I got. It's, and here's the thing, I don't entirely hate the movie. Like, I gave it, like, a 5 out of 10 on Letterboxd, I think. But I f feel like I still enjoyed it overall. Like, I w it was fascinating watching it through. And I think what it was is that I'm more fascinated by Elvis the person than I was this movie's portrayal. I was fascinated because I was I'm more interested in finding out about Elvis's story from like a documentary perspective. Like if I watched an Elvis documentary, I feel like I'd be just as entertained. And I feel like that would then convey the story how it actually happened and not in like a three act structure like this movie did. Yeah. I mean, I guess in that part it's doing its job to get people more interested in Elvis again cuz Yeah. I feel like the last big thing where Elvis was, like, a big deal was, like, I vaguely remember, like, the late 90s and early 2000s, there was, like, a random amount of, like, Elvis nostalgia going around. 
Like, I remember, like, being in grocery stores and seeing, like, Elvis-themed ice cream, hunka hunka burning fudge. <laughs> yeah. And stuff like that. Like, I vaguely remember that when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, I again, like, I grew up knowing who Elvis was. I just didn't... I can't say I was ever, like, a huge fan of Elvis. I think after this, though, like, I, I have been listening to some of his music since I watched the movie, and some of it's pretty good. Like, I like listening to it so well it stayed relevant for a reason yeah exactly i mean it's of course i mean the same thing happened kind of with bohemian rhapsody like i i was already a fan of queen before i saw bohemian rhapsody but after that i was like hey you know what i should listen to more queen because i like queen i don't like the movie but at least it got me to think about hey i appreciate this band let me celebrate them in a way that I know I can celebrate them, and I enjoy doing. And I think that might be partially the point, because they are making that cartoon in a couple of years. They're making, they're making a what? Uh, yeah, did you hear the news that they, I think there's like Sony's working on a cartoon for Netflix or something called Agent King, where Elvis is an international spy? <laughs> this is real. <laughs> Look it up. This is real. This is happening. Uh, well, now I know I'll, I'll have more... Uh, knowledge of El- of elvis when i finally watch uh that bubba hotep movie the movie where uh bruce campbell plays elvis i still need to get to that you... i re- i tried watching a couple years ago but i was kind of doing other things in the background yeah i have a copy of it so i'll get to it i should get to it it's from the same director as phantasm so yeah yeah don coscarelli starring bruce campbell uh has black jfk so you know it's good it sounds incredible i need to watch it um but that's there was something i wanted to say i don't remember uh i'll say this Uh, i think you told me and i made sure to pay attention when i was watching the movie myself was the guy who played uh little richard that actually is what I was going to bring up. Yeah, 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 that that was awesome. That was cool. He looked a lot like Little Richard. Like, it was incredible. Yeah, I was going to say, I think my favorite song in the movie was actually Tutti Fruity, just because the guy who played Little Richard fucking killed it. And also, I just like Tutti Fruity as a song more than most of Elvis's stuff. Yeah. From what I remember. Right, right. The, B, the big thing is, I'm not really an Elvis guy. I know stuff for, like, cultural osmosis, but, like, my sister is the big Elvis fan if, of if you can believe it, she's the one that wanted to see this movie in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm just like, I know things of Elvis. I did never really look too far into his life. I saw the movie, like, yeah, this is fine. I like when it gets wacky with the editing. Because, like, that whole beginning sequence and then some of the other things are kind of cool. Like, when he does the protest song, it's like all the Time magazine covers behind him and everything. Yeah, like, stuff, stuff like, like that. Stuff like that's cool. Yeah, stuff like that was definitely cool. Uh... If anything, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to look to watching more of Baz Luhrmann's filmography because I, I the only one I've definitely seen of his was Romeo plus Juliet, and I fucking hated that movie. It was so bad, uh, but this was this was obviously a lot better. But he's such a wacky guy that I want to see all of his movies, even if they're terrible. The f- only thing I ever get like a concise thing is that people generally like Milan Rouge. Yeah, that the the funny thing is, I remember I was telling James about Elvis, and I was saying how the first half was really wacky, and then the second half was kind of boring. 
And then he was like, yeah, that's pretty much Moulin Rouge, too. Like, the first half is, like, really wacky stuff, and then the second half is pretty standard. And it's like, oh, I guess that's just how Baz Luhrmann works then. I guess that's just how he makes movies. Well, this one also has the excuse that it is a true story. Right. Yeah, that's true, too. I will say one thing that I was going to ask about if you had Seymour is, like, the Baz Luhrmann style, why, why it would work in Moulin Rouge versus versus the others. And I think the answer to that is that Moulin Rouge is an original story. So like you can craft everything around there to fit that style. Whereas for something like great Gatsby or Romeo and Juliet, those are pre-existing stories that you have to now put into that style. Right. And they don't often work, which again, Romeo plus Juliet, uh, incomprehensible. I am shocked. That's a major movie, but they made it. Only in 1996 could you make a movie like that. I And I don't know about Gatsby. I've heard mixed things about that. Yeah. This one, I guess, also, it works more because, like, you look at, like, Elvis's suits and, like, the time period. Like, yeah, I feel like that is a better fit. Exactly, yeah. Again, I didn't have a terrible time watching it. I can't say I'll be rushing back to watch it again. Um, and to tie it in with this podcast theme i whenever i talk about like a modern movie or a recent release or just a movie in general that i don't own i i like reflect upon it you know would i own this on blu-ray and add it to my movie collection uh well would you william uh my answer is my sister's going to so i don't have to (laughs) well there you go i know for a fact if this gets a steelbook she's pre-ordering a day one Mm, yeah, that that would be a kick-ass steelbook cover. Oh yeah, 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 that would be really cool because yeah. all the style we could do with that. I mean, just look at the poster in of itself. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as for- they should put Tom Hanks on the cover of the steelbook. <laughs> it should just be Tom Hanks. It should, yeah, it should, it should be Tom. There go. It should be Tom Hanks t posing. The snowman strikes again. <laughs> the snowman strikes again. <laughs> uh, but as as for me, I. Again, it it ties into my uh, distaste is too harsh of a word. Just I just I'm not a fan of biopics, so I and I was not like blown away by this movie, so I can't really say I would ever buy it on Blu-ray because I just don't have the passion to like seek it out. I would rather buy like Elvis CDs and add that to my music collection, like. Yeah, uh, I, like I said, I'm listening to a lot more Elvis now than I ever have been. So, you know, that's the kind of art having to do with Elvis I'd rather seek out than this movie. Uh, so, yeah, not not one that will add to my collection, unfortunately. Uh, I'm just sad that that mashup was not actually in the final cut of the film. Oh yeah, yeah, it was like. Uh, that was the big news that came out of Cannes, that there was going to be a mashup of an Elvis song with Britney Spears' Toxic and Backstreet's Back. And they only did... Was all, all I heard was was Toxic, like, the the instrumental version of Toxic, and that was it. <laughs> it's like, I don't even remember that, unless I just missed it. Uh, it was like, I think it was at the... Uh, it was like one part, he was like walking through his tour bus, it was like during the 60s, and he, and they start playing like the instrumental of Toxic with like some other Elvis song, and I was like, oh, that's what people freaked out over? But I guess not, I guess it got cut. So. I, I remember when he was walking through Beale Street, and they had a Doja Cat, plant, a Doja Cat song playing. Yeah, it was some 
modern rapper and i'm like what am i watching man <laughs> apparently he does that in great gatsby too where he has modern music playing yeah i think it's like jay-z or something i don't know baz i mean i at least for elvis i kind of understand it more yeah i mean it doesn't i mean again i wasn't taking the movie seriously so it's not like i was really losing interest or anything i was just like hell yeah doja cat in beale street <laughs> let's go elvis needed to drive ride a skateboard mm, very elvis true. needed to drive a forklift mm, forklift you know certified. if elvis was for if elvis was forklift certified maybe he'd still be alive mm, very true very true uh did you have anything else you wanted to say about elvis uh Peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> uh, Movie's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's just with biopics, it's like, do you care about this subject? Right. Yes or no? Do, would I recommend the biopic to you? Again, the answer is, what was your answer to the first question? I'm not going to recommend you watch a documentary on the band Anvil if you don't care about the band Anvil. Most of the people watching this probably don't even know what Anvil is. I only know one song about them because they did a song about Mafra. Oh, well. Yeah, oh, well. <laughs> There's a documentary about them on Netflix at one point. Like, oh, maybe I'll watch that. I only know one song by them. I never watched it. Yeah. I will say I did watch the Edgar Wright uh, documentary on Sparks, and that got me into that. Got me into that, their music. So... I, it, it depends. It depends on if you're True. looking. At that point, I would rather watch a documentary on uh, a band if I want to get into a band or a music a musician of some sort. So, yeah, maybe someday I'll seek out an Elvis documentary. But I mean, uh, I'm quite comfortable just listening to his music at the moment. Is that what the is the John Carpenter Elvis a biopic or a documentary? I think it. Well, it's a. Uh, it's a biopic because Kurt Russell stars in it and he plays Elvis. Uh, yeah, you know, that's cool and all. Hey, you know what would be even cooler? If there, were, if there was another movie that John Carpenter made that had Kurt Russell in it. Oh, man. I know. It's, if only that existed. Oh, wait. Uh, that's That exists like several times. Yeah, it happened several times. But more specifically, the next movie we're talking about today, Big Trouble in Little China. Why didn't you ask me to watch The Thing? Because... Uh, <laughs> Well, here's the thing. He, well, he, he, Literally, yes, here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, I mean, I started this podcast because I wanted to go through movies I had never seen before or movies I was kind of iffy on or just movies that I have in my collection. I own the thing in my Blu-ray collection. I'm never getting rid of it because I fucking love that movie. Yes. But Big Us, Trouble in Little I mean, China, okay. I had For, never full seen. Disclosure, full disclosure, both of us saw the, saw the thing in theaters this month when it came out for that Fathom event. Oh, yeah. No, that, that was uh, so worth it. So Such a good movie, see, seeing on the big screen. If, if that ever happens again, uh, to anybody listening, highly recommend it. Go see the thing in theaters. Uh, or just watch it at home. It, either, either way, just go watch the thing. Either way. Either way, just go watch the thing. Phenomenal If movie. you haven't seen John Carpenter's The Thing yet, go watch John Carpenter's The Thing. Yes. There's a people call that one of the greatest, if not the greatest, horror film ever made for a reason. Go watch it. Go watch it. Uh, it has Keith David in it, so you know it's good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, anyway, that's enough about the thing. Let's talk about the actual movie, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, so I have this Blu-ray. In fact, speaking of 
to go back to the thing, when I finished watching the thing in theaters, I went to my local DVD shop just because I wanted to peruse, and I found this Blu-ray of Big Trouble in Little China, and I'm like, hey, I am in a John Carpenter mood. Let me buy that. So that's how I came into possession with this. Um, how did you get into possession of yours? Uh, I was at Walmart one day and saw the Blu-ray for cheap. I'm like, oh, that's a movie I've heard of. I should probably watch that eventually. So I bought it, and it sat on the shelf for a couple of years until you messaged me asking, Hey, William, do you have Big Trouble in Little China? Uh, yeah. And then the rest so is So I watched history. it last night. <laughs> so I didn't even know it was a John Carpenter movie the first time I bought it. I didn't know that until later. Like, oh, this is Carpenter. Neat. Yeah, I had definitely heard of this. I didn't know it was Carpenter at first, uh, but then I did notice it's like, oh, yeah, John Carpenter, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, yeah, the first time I ever had any exposure to Big Trouble in Little China was that one time when Gandalf the Great and Gandalf the White and Monty Python and the Holy Girls Black Knight and Benito Mussolini and the Blue Meanie and Cowboy <laughs> Curtis and John B. the Genie, Robocop the Terminator, Captain Kirk and Lope, Captain Kirk and Darth Vader, Lope Pants, Superman, Every Single Power Ranger, Bill S. Preston and Theodore Logan, Spock the Rock, Doc, Hulk and Hulk Hogan, all came out of nowhere lighting fast and kicked Chuck Norris in his cowboy ass. That was the first time I ever had any exposure to Big Trouble in Little China because Lil Pan was there. Ah, okay. <laughs> Didn't know who he was. No. Didn't know who half the people were. If you asked me back in sixth grade if I knew who Benito Mussolini was, I would say, what? Yeah, exactly. You'd just be like, who are you? Get, get away from me. Most random character in that song, by the way. And that's saying something. Anyway, so, yeah, this was... I, I, I thought you had seen this before, but uh, uh, that's pretty interesting that you had never seen it. So this was both our... I was lazy. No, this was both our introduction to Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, what did you think of it? I thought it was, okay, <laughs> I see why people like this. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is fine. I've seen I've seen other better action and kung fu movies. Mm -hmm. This is fine. I watched it with Amber. They didn't like it at all. <laughs> it's okay. They're they're more of a fan of Faust anyway. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> if they ever hear you say that, they're going to kick your ass. That's true. They will. They will. No, but uh, I think I liked. I definitely liked it more than you. Uh, maybe it's because I, I. I mean, I didn't know what to expect with this. I was. I just I went in expecting a goofy John Carpenter movie and that's what I got. So I didn't I was not disappointed. I it was exactly what I was hoping it would be. I think the mileage varies on whether or not how much you like the joke of the movie because should we just get right into that? Yeah, yeah, explain the that. The movie's the movie basically feels like as if the main character is actually just the sidekick for the thing. It's from his perspective, but he is not the one in charge at all. Right. Because he just kind of, it's like a character from a different movie walks into this movie and has to just deal with it. Yeah. The funny thing about that is I did not know that's what the movie was going for. I just thought Kurt Russell was just this bumbling idiot. And then, well, no... I knew that he was, like, supposed to be this, like, bumbling goofball throughout the whole movie, and I like that about this movie. I like that he's just this bumbling goofball. I didn't know that, like, the point of it was that 
that meant that he was like kind of the side character and that it was like a subversion of tropes where like the white guy is the main character and then the Asian guy is the sidekick where this apparently this movie like switches that around where the Asian guy is the main character and the white guy is the goofy sidekick. With that said, which probably would be how it happens in real life anyway. Yeah, but with that said, I still felt like Kurt Russell was the main character. So well, he is. It's just yeah. he's not. He's the one with the least agency. He's the one with the least agency, which I feel like I've still seen that in main characters in movies. You know, just because they don't have a lot of agency in the story doesn't mean they're not the main characters. So right. I feel like John Carpenter kind of mistakes that. Like he he equates agency to like whether or not they're like the driving force of the movie, which. Or they're, they're the main characters of the movie, and it's like, okay. Well, he also loses his driving force. That's his whole thing. He's trying to get his, <laughs> his driving get force his back. Track, track, track back. <laughs> Which, I mean, granted, whether this movie, I, so I don't think the movie succeeds in that in trying to be an actual subversion because it just seems like a cheesy eighties action movie. I mean, with that said, I'm still entertained. Whether or not it succeeds in what it's trying to be, I'm still entertained. You know, just. Uh, like I said, Kurt Russell is just this giant goofball in the movie, and it's hilarious. Like a very different character from what he's done in other movies. Yeah, very different from the thing. Let me tell you, <laughs> I haven't seen Escape from New York yet, but I'm assuming very different from Snake Plissken. Oh, extremely different from Snake Plissken. Like Snake, Snake is unapologetically. Uh, you know, it's funny. I don't think he has much agency in that movie, but yet he's he's unequivocally the main character. I mean, well, he's the one who's actively sent out. He's the one on who's actively mission. sent out. Yeah, but a lot of the times, whereas here he just stumbles into it. Yeah, he just stumbles. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, no, and I and I like that about this movie that he's just and I like that it's not like he's not like incompetent. He just doesn't know what the hell is going on half the time. And I feel like that's much more interesting. Like, that's hilarious. Just, he doesn't know what's going on. And you as the audience don't know what's going on. And I kind of like it like that. Where it's just like, oh, I don't know what's going on, but whatever. What what's Whatever's happening is funny. I will say, like, he's competent enough for most of it. But there are some bumbling moments, like the the one that sticks out to me, and this might be my favorite moment in the movie, was right before the final big battle. He grabs, he has his gun, he shoots up in the air like he's <laughs> on, like getting ready for it. Yeah. He shoots the arch, and rocks fall down and knock him the fuck out. I know it's so funny. <laughs> he just he gets knocked out, and everybody just starts the kung fu battle without him. <laughs> It's so funny. It's one of oh, my favorite the, parts. Oh, he's just so. Like, oh, I just remember, like, in the second thing, like, right at the beginning, towards the beginning, when all the guys are first coming out, where are those two clans, you know, like, they're getting ready, and you think it's going to be a big kung fu battle, and then just everyone just pulls out a gun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. See, this movie is funny. Like, there's just so many wacky moments that. I just that just tickle my fancy. Like th that's the kind of stuff I love seeing in movies. I think it could have gone crazier though. Like I if I had like a big thing I didn't like about this movie, I feel like it does feel a little restrained, just a little restrained like throughout the whole thing. Like it could have been wackier. 
Well, I think they also do that just like so you can comprehend it better and understand what's going on. Yeah. Because part of it does feel like it feels like he walked into a different movie, basically. So it also kind of feels like we did because he doesn't really know what's going on either. So we don't. So there has to be restrained enough so we can still follow along and to like go in on that. It's like all these characters already seem to know each other and what's happening. Like, oh, those are those guys from that one clan. These are these guys. Hi, I'm Gracie Law. This is my literal introduction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Where everyone knows exactly what's happening except the main character. <laughs> yeah. He just wants his money. He just wants his money. I can buy a new truck. Just give him my fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing to point out, like, he's not an action hero at all. He's just a trucker. Exactly, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll go help you, take you to pick your girlfriend up at the airport. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, That that's the thing. I mean, obviously, like you said, Amber was not a fan of this. I can see why. It's maybe a little, little th- too wacky. Well, I think they mostly just thought it was boring, because it also took a while to really get going. It it does, it does. And if you're not, like, if you're not just 100% into it, then you're just not going to get into it. So, it's definitely, it's not as, I I would make the argument something like The Thing is a little more accessible to people when it comes to, like, John Carpenter kind of movies. Like, even Halloween, I would say, is more accessible. This is... Well, t- to it's the matter of also like not not everyone likes horror, right? So like I can understand like we to to go off a different channel with Red Letter Media when they did their ranking. Rich is not a horror guy, so like he's gonna jive more of like the wackier or more action oriented stuff. Like this was his number one, and Jay's number one was the thing, right? Okay, I kind of fall into both camps i like horror but i also like the wacky adventure action genre yeah. as well so i feel like so obviously i'm more of a fan of the thing just because i appreciate it more this i just had like a good time it was like it, it's it was like a good uh it was like a good wheel night kind of movie where it's just like it's wacky it's stupid but i'm having fun with it I think you need to explain what we just said there. Okay, so Wheel Knight. Uh, is... Yeah, Wheel. Uh, every. Yeah, you go ahead. You just want me, since I'm uh, since I'm technically the one that runs it. Yes. Uh, every Saturday night, basically, uh, because we hate ourselves, <laughs> uh, we have a wheel filled up with a bunch of garbage we find on Tubi and other streaming services, and it's like a it's basically just a bad movie night. We spin a wheel, and whatever we land on, we have to watch unless we decide we don't want to watch it. Yes, basically that. I feel like Big Little Big Trouble in Little China would have been a good wheel night movie, but I mean maybe it's best that we watched it for this podcast instead. Because it's also like the expectations are different. Yeah, the expectations are different, but it I still had fun with it. I would definitely watch it again. Uh I might like it more on a rewatch knowing what it actually is now. Yeah. We didn't really we didn't really spend too much time going to other parts of the movie, like what's actually going on. Uh, I like the parts where they're going underneath, like underneath the base, and it suddenly becomes an, a different John Carpenter movie when there's like the fish head in the wall, uh, the Sasquatch that kidnaps Gracie Law. Yeah, like the creature design's really cool. Oh, the creature uh, the designs fucking, are amazing. The fucking beholder from D and D shows up. Yeah. Uh... 
James Hong is in this as David Logan. Oh yeah, that's like the I think that's the big thing that we should probably talk about David James Hong. Yeah. Which for okay, can I just say so there's this big immortal little 7-foot tall dude who has like lightning powers who's like hit after this girlfriend so he can be immortal or something. It's like, okay, so what's this guy's name? David. <laughs> <laughs> was that supposed to be the joke? Maybe, because, yeah. Yeah, David. What's your name? David. David. <laughs> like, okay, it's Lopan, but his name is David. Yeah. Lopan. Uh, David? I mean, I was excited just to saying. see it because James Hong. I love James yeah. Hong. Like, prolific actor. He has, like, a million credits. He never had, like, a big break. This is probably his biggest role. But, like, he's been in a lot of stuff that, like, you hear that voice like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, exactly. I feel like this year he's, well, because he was in both Turning Red and Everything Everywhere. So I feel like yeah. those are kind of his bigger roles, which is good. I mean, yeah, the dude is hilarious. And he's been in, a, a, yeah, like you said, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in Blade Runner. He was in Airplane. He was in fucking Chinatown. Like, Dude, like, yeah. the dude's just been in a lot of things. And he was in Done the Kung Fu Panda acting. trilogy. Kung Fu Panda trilogy, yeah. Yeah, Poe's dad. Poe's dad. But yeah, he was great in this movie. I, I was so excited to see this movie because he's in it. And then he delivered. It was really fun. I will just say, though, I don't think Star Wars would have as big of a cultural impact if the cool guy in the robot mask with the red lightsaber and deep voice was just named Keith. <laughs> well... No, you're right. Hi, I'm Steve from Accounting. <laughs> yeah, names do matter, but you know what? I was I was fine with it. I thought it was fun. That's why the back of the box just says Lopan. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. Beneath San Francisco's Chinatown, where Lopan, a 2,000-year-old magician. <laughs> Behold, the Dark Lord, David. David. <laughs> Oh, God, this movie's so funny. So, I... Yeah, what was, was that part where, like, the one dude... After they beat Lopan, the one dude just, like, has, like, a meltdown and just blows up? I The only reason I know of that scene is because I remember it being in an Emp Lemon YouTube poop years ago, and I was like, what is that from? And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, it's from this movie. What was he trying to do there? It's like, well, my master's gone. I I guess that John Carpenter just really wanted to show off that effect and yeah it looks really good it looks really good the puppetry is really good how he just inflates yeah like the uh, the effects like okay the optical effects they're good for their time in the 80s yeah like the lighting it's not amazing but like it's good enough for the time it does the look pretty good stuff does great yeah no the practical stuff's great oh god yeah no the practical effects in this movie are fantastic i i love the the eye creature that just floats around <laughs> yeah the i said the the beholder from D basically yeah exactly and then yeah like we said the sasquatch character it's like they just i mean these creatures come out of nowhere which in and of itself is really funny but they also are really good effects yeah, because John Carpenter and like his team, they know how to do that. Exactly. Yeah, they they know how to how to do that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to say about Big Trouble in Little China? I just want to point out that like how like when he is on the truck and he's like talking to like the the communicator, like what is he doing? Is he just like a radio host? 
Is he a podcaster? I think, Is this the first podcast? Yeah, I guess it's the first podcast. Uh, I I thought he was just like venting to whoever was on the other line, but I don't know. You know what? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it, I mean, it's just a quirky way of it's just his quirk. Like to introduce the character in the beginning and end. Yeah, exactly. To kind well, of you know, that's it. how you know he's a bumbling fool. Because you have to have zero respect for yourself to be on a podcast. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> like, you could never catch me on a podcast. I would never be caught dead on one of those things. Yeah, forget about it. <laughs> never. Never. Um, so, this is the part of the show where I make my decision. Is this... a uh, a movie I keep, or is it a movie I get rid of? And I mean, you have your own copy. Are you going to keep it, or are you going to get rid of it? I'll probably keep it. I mean, like, it's not like I paid an exorbitant amount for this thing. I probably paid like ten bucks for this like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like I didn't. It's not. I didn't not like it, and like I didn't look at any of the bonus features or anything. So I'll probably at least check those out at some point. Yeah. So it's like. I might as well keep it around, especially if I just want to have, like, a full John Carpenter collection one day. Because, like, I might try to do that at some point. Right, right. Yep, I'm with you. This is a definite keep. I, you know, the moment I, the moment that he, Kurt Russell shot his gun into the air and debris fell on his head and he was knocked out, I was like, all right, definite, definite keep. Like, this is definitely a movie. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. I feel like I'm going to enjoy it on rewatch. So it's definitely one I'm going to be returning to many times. So it's a definite keep for me. So we did it. We, we, we kept a Blu-ray. We did it. I can't wait until you make me rewatch Tammy and the T-Rex. That's <laughs> true. It might happen. Okay. If you are listening to this and don't know what Tammy the T-Rex is, go watch Tammy and the T-Rex right now. That, just go do it. Yeah, go do don't it. Don't look up anything. Just watch Tammy the T-Rex. Greatest movie ever made. I am behind this. Yes, 100%. Go watch Tammy and the T-Rex. Same director as the as one of the most important films that was inducted into the um, film registry last year, uh, Mac and Me. Nice. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Yes, I am. I'm not making this up at all. This is completely true. It's not. Mac and me. Better than (laughs) E.T. Okay. Uh, I'd say that about does it. Uh, Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for possibly imagining us talking about these movies. I don't know how you came across us. Whatever. It doesn't matter. William, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I should probably plug my phone charger in for the night so I can charge my phone tomorrow. 